Let's go. Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We, we, we give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand podcast. I hope you're ready for the Loans on Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents. And today I'm super excited to have Tim Chermack. Tim, and that's the right way to say your last name, I hope. Uh, if not, you can correct me here in a second. But uh, he's a founder and CEO of Platform Marketing. Um, and if you want to check out uh, his website, he's got the ugliest website ever, and it's platformmarketingideas.com. We'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, and then we'll have it in the show notes as well. But uh, what's going on, Tim? Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, man. Hey, man, it's good to be here. This will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome, man. So uh, real quick, uh, I know I kind of gave you a, a quick intro, but I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about you. Tell us a little about yourself, man. So I uh, I founded a marketing software and a marketing agency called Platform Marketing. And the most straightforward way of describing what we do is that we're a marketing agency that just specializes in working with realtors. And I know that sounds like no, no duh, right? But on, on any call I have with you know an agent who calls us and inquires about potentially hiring us, I have to make it clear that you know pretty much all of the marketing companies out there that realtors know, whether it's Curator, Wilopo, Boomtown, Sync, Real Geeks, um, you know, really, I mean the the uh, big companies obviously too, like Zillow, Realtor.com, whatever. Um, but all of the quote unquote marketing companies, they're really not marketing companies as much as they are software companies, they're website companies, right? So whether it's again, you know, uh, Ylopo or Sync or whatever, like they have awesome website templates and really high powered CRMs that are fantastic, right? They're the best in the business at building CRMs. There's a difference between a software company and a marketing company, right? One of the, one of the biggest differences right off the bat is that software, the, the, the whole point of a software business model is you write the software once or you build the website design once or the CRM once, and then you can sell it to as many people as possible, which is why it's such an attractive industry to get in from the perspective of you know their investors and their founders and whatnot. Marketing is not that way, right? If I look a realtor in the eye and uh, I live in uh, Naples, Florida now, I'm from a small town though in uh, Minnesota. And so um, I, I understand pretty well that like a realtor should have exclusivity over their market. Because if I'm doing the same marketing, running the same similar ad campaigns or using similar ad copy, if there's an agent who's two miles away, I can't look you in the eye as a client and say, hey, my goal is to make you the most trusted you know, uh, celebrity agent in the area. I want your brand to be the best and then secretly tell that to another agent two miles away. Sure. Like That's just completely disingenuous um, at best, unethical at worst. And yet- that's what pretty much every company in the industry does when they when they kind of say they're a marketing company. Because like if 10 agents in the same area can sign up for your service, that's fine. There's nothing wrong about that, right? There's nothing unethical about that. But if 10 agents can sign up, almost by definition, what you're doing isn't marketing. Like you have a website company or a software company, but it's not really marketing if 10 people can do the same thing in the same area because the whole purpose of marketing, right? is to help you stand out from the competition in a creative way where the average buyer or seller out there knows that you're different from all the other agents or on the loan officer side, right? That you're different and you're more knowledgeable than all the other uh, mortgage lenders. 
in your area. So what we do at Platform Marketing, when I say that we're a marketing agency that just happens to specialize in working with realtors, is we only work with one in a given area. And then my, my sworn duty is to make that agent the top agent in their market and the most trusted online, you know, with social media ads, we edit all of their videos, we launch all their lead gen. When, when someone hires platform, uh, it's, it's like they're getting a full-blown marketing department at their disposal. So I'm not going to spend the rest of this podcast talking about platform, but that's always something that's interesting to me about the industry, right? Is that sure. people think software companies as being marketing companies. It's like, well, again, that's not that's not really marketing if everyone's getting the same product. So that's what we do. Um, and that that business model of only working with one client per market has had a huge, like profound effect on um, how we even think about marketing um, and business growth in the first place. Man, I love that. I love I love the fact that that you've that you've taken that stand and, and you know obviously coming from a marketing uh, another marketing. Uh, team, right? I mean, we, we see it in a little bit different way, but it's okay because that's just just it's the way we, we do things, right? And I think the way that you do things as well is you do a lot more with the branding piece and making people famous. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of what we do is, is kind of strictly lead gen and then consulting on how to how to sell, right? Like, you know, so, so we're, we're, it's just a, a very, a little bit a subtle difference, but I, I do love what you've done because I do think that it sits you in such a different place from a positioning standpoint as well, because you're no longer, I mean, yeah, you're kind of a commodity, but like you're different than everybody else. Whereas like everybody else is doing you know, it's easy for people to say, well, everybody else is doing the same thing you're doing, Luke. Like it's lead gen. At the end of the day, yeah, that's technically right. We are doing kind of the same thing as everybody else, kind of, right? It's in a little bit different way. If you're doing lead gen too, to be fair, like I don't think that the um that the categorization of only taking one client in an area needs to necessarily be true there. Cause if someone is just buying leads, then it's really not a whole lot different than right. Zillow.com where you know, like you're just trying to get leads. But as soon as you start engaging in branding campaigns and like yeah. a lot of targeting where you're writing specific creative copy about a specific agent and trying to help them build more of a qualitative Story brand, like stuff. yeah, those those intangibles that go beyond just, hey, a new lead came in, it's in your email inbox, follow up with them, right? Right, right, you, right. You can't really work with more than one person per area or else it's just completely, uh, completely disingenuous. And so I think there's, the, there's these two interesting sides of marketing the qualitative and the quantitative like the direct response lead generation side right right this is the brand building kind of fuzzy roi side and i used to be firmly in the direct response lead generation camp like i was hardcore dan kennedy and claude hopkins let's run all the split tests and monitor the cpms and cost per clicks and conversion rates and landing pages and all that stuff and i thought anyone who does branding is just too stupid to know how to generate leads. So they, you know, yes. that, that was reality is like, they don't know what they're doing. Therefore they're not generating leads. Right. And as we've been doing this over the last nine years, um, as a company, what I've found, I think is I may have matured a little bit in my like nuanced, nuanced understanding of marketing is a lot more holistic of an endeavor than just generating a bunch of leads. Um, yeah. you have to generate leads. Marketing is part, or excuse me, lead generation is, is part of marketing, but lead generation is not synonymous with marketing. Like if all yeah. you're doing, whether as a you know, mortgage lender or realtor, or frankly, any other business, right? Maybe you own a vacuum store or a restaurant or a CrossFit gym or a used car dealership, whatever, right? Lead generation is certainly part of your marketing, but it's not synonymous with your marketing. So I've 
I've learned to appreciate the value that like a well-executed content marketing campaign can happen if you're retargeting the leads, you know, not blasting it out to the general public, but staying, right. staying top of mind with the leads that you generated in a creative way that goes above and beyond just, hey, every campaign we do drives people to a landing page and tries to capture their contact information. That's right, right. Certainly part of it, right? You have to have lead generation. You have to have new leads coming in or else you, you don't have a business, right? Right, but right. You can unlock like an extra level of performance, almost like turboing an engine if you add creative branding campaigns on top of all that lead generation. So that's yeah, something I've yeah. done in the last couple of years and uh, that's kind of the secret weapon of, of our clients. I love that. I mean, and that's actually probably this, the same path that I've taken over the last, I mean, we, I think 2017 was when I, I came in here uh, and I started the same way, super direct response. Like if you do any branding, you're dumb. And then the longer I've been in this space, the more I realized, like even for myself, the fact that I've been running video ad campaigns as a, a you know, B2B to bring in new loan officer clients over the, over the last two years of just running those people are like, man, I see your face everywhere. 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 And so like, I see the value of branding, even though I've never really officially run anything like really kind of like just for branding sake. I mean, I run a little retargeting on the back end, but like it's all still created that same effect of like, this is all branding. So even in the times, even in the times where my cost per appointment is like super high, let's say Facebook is just having a really bad week or month or whatever it is. It doesn't matter because to me, I'm like, all right, well, this is a branding time, right? Like they're seeing my face still. And, and I don't think there's a, a loss there, even though, you know, from a numbers perspective, from a revenue brought in versus as ad spend gone out, like that particular month isn't always, isn't always the best uh, in a long-term perspective. I do think it does play out um, in the positive because you are building that brand. And the more you build that brand, the, the more people trust you kind of automatically, right? Because they've seen you and you're like, all right, you're spending enough money on, on ads. Like, you know, you got you to know what you're doing. So yeah, clearly I, you know I think it's huge value. What no one wants to admit in like the digital marketing space, whether it's people who manage pay-per-click campaigns, Facebook leads, you know, whatever you're doing with realtors, loan officers, and all, all other industries, right? No one wants to say this out loud, but the truth is that the reason everyone focused on lead generation and more like hardcore direct response tactics for much of the last 10 years is that CPMs were so cheap. And when CPMs right. were so cheap, obviously cost per clicks are really cheap. And when cost per clicks are really cheap, it means leads are really cheap, right? So right. The, the whole strategy for, again, much of the last 10 years um, revolved around, well, we don't really need to bother with a bunch of retargeting like content campaigns and branding campaigns because if we can get a ton of leads for 80 cents a piece or whatever, the conversion rate on those leads can be absolute shit and it doesn't matter because if 80 cent leads are coming in, you're going to right. be profitable with your marketing budget every month just by sheer volume of if you convert one out of every 300, you're printing money, right? Right. So right. It, was, it was downstream of the fact that the CPMs and then therefore the clicks and then therefore the leads were so cheap that that dictated the strategy, right? Where most marketing consultants we're just, well, let's focus on leads because it's so easy at that point. Why would we do anything about that, right? Now sure. that CPMs have become more expensive and some of these platforms have just you know, matured and Facebook, just as, a, as an example, Facebook is not growing domestically like it was five, six years ago. They're not like adding a ton of users every month. Sure, that's, sure. That's really a success story for Facebook because what's happened is like essentially every adult in America 
who's ever going to have a Facebook account has one. So that's actually a good thing. It means they succeeded. Like there's really not any more market share to penetrate because everyone who have who's ever going to have a Facebook account more or less has one, right? Right. But right, right. being a public company, if Facebook is Facebook is going to show uh, a revenue growth to their investors, they have to hop on, you know, like a quarterly investor call with Wall Street. They need to show profit every quarter. And if Facebook domestically isn't growing by adding more impressions that can then be sold as ads, right? The only way they can increase their profits quarter to quarter is by raising the prices of those clicks. And so that's what they've done the last several years is clicks are just probably three to four to five times more expensive than they were five years ago. So it's right. practically forced a marketer like me or like you to get a you know a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more creative yep. on like, okay, what are the ad campaigns that, we, that we're running? What is the big picture strategy here? Because no longer... Can we just run a ton of lead generation ads, cross our fingers, and then hope that, well, even if the, again, even if the conversion rate is absolute shit, they're getting so many leads that the math works. That's not necessarily true anymore, right? You have to have, you have to have some campaigns that are dedicated to nurturing and cultivating, uh, you know, and ultimately converting those leads because the, you know, if leads have gone up from being 50 cents a piece to 80 cents a piece, now you're paying a dollar or two a lead sometimes, or in some markets, it might be $3 a lead, right? All of a sudden, what used to be, well, we can convert one out of every 300 and that's still fine. It's now like, well, if you're not converting one out of every hundred, um, you know, the the math starts to get kind of wonky with, is this really worth it? So it, sure. again, it forces you to get more creative with how you're staying top of mind with those leads. Because at the end of the day, a client is not going to keep spending money on marketing if every closing they get, let's say brings in, I'm just picking this number out of nowhere, but let's say every closing is worth $8,000 to them if they had to spend six or $7,000 to get that closing. Because even though they might sure. be technically making money or whatever, it's not worth their time to do all that follow-up and all that work to make $1,000, right? There's way right. easier way to spend your time and money. So Right, right, uh, right. Yeah. The opportunity yeah. costs, opportunity costs is, is, is too, is, is definitely not there. Right? Yeah. Like it's, a, it, it's too expensive. It's absolutely affected. Yeah. It's absolutely affected. I think how marketing consultants, marketing companies think about how are we spending our client's budget to make sure they're getting as much, uh, as much bang for their buck as possible. So we've basically veered the other direction um, in the last couple of years with platform where like, yeah, we still generate a bunch of leads for our clients because again, Lead generation is part of marketing, but it's not synonymous with marketing. We we started doing a lot more um, kind of creative creative campaigns where we just write an ad for them that's about themselves or their family or their hobbies or things going on in the community. And we don't even have a call to action. Like I'd say with platform, like 75% of ads we run have zero call to action. There's not a link to click. There's not even, hey, here's my number, call me. It's just zero call to action because we're trying to have the strategy more build towards the climax of, I want a seller to call our client, not the other way around. Are we, and and in this regard, I mean, we'll we'll get a little bit in the tactics here, but uh, are we, are we talking, you know, dollar a day type of strategies, like a Dennis U type of uh, an approach with, you know, small budgets using reach or engagement type of campaigns? Are we using, what's kind of the approach that that you're taking there? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite simple. It's like you, you build a retargeting list and I'm assuming that I'm talking to realtors and obviously a lot of listeners, this podcast are on the mortgage lending side, but like, it's more or less the same advice, right? Right. We'll run lead generation campaigns that get people to click. If they're interested in buying, you know, buying a home. Once we know that they're interested by virtue of the fact that they clicked on a hardcore lead generation ad, because I, my mentality is still, some people might click because they're just curious, but like the majority of people, if they click on an ad, that's very clearly about homes for sale in a market, 
they're not going to click on unless they're actually interested, right? So right. once you build that first layer of retargeting, then all of the creative ads will run on the back end about them highlighting their favorite local restaurants. Like one of my favorite ads might be like my top three favorite locally owned restaurants here in fill in the blank city that you're in, you know, here in San Diego, where you'll see the actual owner in the restaurant cooking the food, for example, like that's one idea of an ad. Cause if that pops up, the goal of a strong retargeting strategy for again, a lender or an agent is that we can't really speed up their sales cycle. So first, the first step is acknowledging that if someone clicks on an ad and let's say it's like April, but they're not actually ready to move until July because of whatever lifestyle reason they have going on. There's nothing you can do from an advertising perspective that's going to speed up when they're ready to move if they're just not ready to move till July, right? Right, right. No amount of like trying to handle objections over email or on a phone call or trying to set an appointment and using your sales scripts changes the fact that they're not going to be ready to go for six or for a three. So rather than fight that, let's flow with that and just stay top of mind for three or four months so that when they are ready to go, they, let's say, saw an ad pop up that was like, you know, my top three favorite locally owned restaurants where you'll still see the owner in the back, you know, cooking. That's an example of an ad. No call to action, no mention of real estate. It doesn't even end with, by the way, if you're thinking about buying or selling this year, here's my number, right? It's just helpful, interesting content about your community because in that split second that someone sees an ad like that, they're connecting the dots in their brain. They're like, oh, that's right. That's that's that realtor. I clicked on his ad yesterday or last week or last month. That's that realtor. Oh, that's right. And Or that's that lender. That's right. I clicked on his ad last week. So if you can sprinkle enough of those moments in over several, you know, several months of time, to where they have, oh, that's right. That's that lender. I clicked on his ad. When they are ready to go, they'll feel like they know you and then they'll just call you. They're not going to interview other loan officers. They're not going to rate shop or they're not going to interview other realtors. Like they're just going to call you, right? right so that's right. Of, all, of all of our marketing in that, yes, we combine lead generation with it because you have to fill the funnel with leads. But once we get the leads, we're not spending a ton of resources on trying to follow up like crazy or try to set appointments because my philosophy, um, especially on, on the realtor side of things is like, I want to create marketing campaigns that get the public to call my clients, not the other way around. Sure. Cause that's, sure. much, that's much more scalable use of your time. I know that you guys, for example, with lenders are, um, setting appointments for your clients work again. Like that's a good use of their time where they're not spending hours and hours following up with leads. Cause like you guys right. schedule the appointments for them. It's kind of like, chasing the same objective, but just a different tactic to reach the same endpoint of like, yeah, marketing should be scalable. Like if you have to use a bunch of your time following up with leads and scheduling appointments and all that, like business growth is fun, but it also is not scalable because it's sooner or later, if you're going to be running a thriving business, either as an LO or as a realtor, you can't be spending three hours a day following up with leads. You need to be spending those three hours a day closing deals. Right, 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 right. I, I, and I think there's a, um, we, we, we have this conversation sometimes with branch managers or, or bigger producers, people that are doing more. It's like, it's like, yo, like, yes, technically you have the funds to do this, but like, again, there's an opportunity cost to you sure. doing something like this. If you're getting referrals that pretty much close themselves that you literally just send an application link, they fill out an application and they're ready to go. Like keep doing that because you're not going to get that with internet leads. Um, the yeah. other thing that um, I think we haven't touched on yet is, is you're talking about like all this branding, things like that. I think the consumer as well over the last 10, 15, 20 years of internet marketing has gotten savvy, right? Like early on, 
you know, you could, you could pop up an ad and, and I don't know this from, from personal experience, just from, from anecdotal uh, evidence, right. Cause I've only been in this space for about four or five years. Um, but just, just listening to, to some of the, the older guys in the space is like, man, back in the day, it used to be super easy. Yeah. You could get, you know, cheaper, cheaper clicks, but people would pick up the phone on the first call or whatever. Exactly. Whereas like nowadays, no one picks up the phone anymore. Right. So you're having to call more times because they're like, they're savvy enough to know that as soon as they opt in, they're going to get 10 calls. So they just yep. ignore all those calls. Right. Well, and so that, that's the other thing there. Or they don't opt in in the first place. And that's kind of the right. next level that we're, you know, we're hitting kind of like checkers versus chess is like, you know, people are so used to if they opt into anything, again, not just lenders or not just realtors, but right. like they kind of know like, oh shit, I'm going to get hounded by some salesperson because now they have my contact information and they will not give up, right? Whether you're buying right, right. a car, a car, you know, a house, mortgage, like they know that in any sales industry like that, if you give your contact information, it's now open season, right? So what a lot of it we're seeing is that like people just don't give their contact information anymore, which is why yeah. we've tried to shift our strategy, a platform to creating an ad strategy at the macro level that actually doesn't too heavily rely on leads. Now, what that means is like, we'll get someone to click on a retargeting ad or a click on a lead generation ad. And now they'll start seeing that agent's retargeting content. And my goal is that I can like the, the retargeting ads convert the lead so that eventually my client will get phone calls three or four months, five months into the future. And it's like, Hey, I think I'm ready to sell my house. I'd, I'd like to work with you. What are the next steps? Like they're basically saying, Hey, list my house. And right, at, right, no, right, right. at no point did that person email the realtor, text them. Like there's zero trace of communication. It's not a lead anywhere in the CRM but they just called them when they were ready to go. So essentially, rather than having like an ISA or having the realtor do a bunch of follow-up in their CRM or whatever, and, you know, ask, you know, ask questions, handle objections, get what their budget is and price range, what neighborhood they want to be and all that stuff. Or in the case of a loan officer, take an app and, you know, walk them through that process. The retargeting ads are doing all that so that when the person is ready to go, they just call you and they're like, Hey, I'm ready to list my house. What's the next step? Right. Or again, from a lender's perspective, it's, Hey, I'm ready to start, you know, house hunting. I think I need to get pre-approved or something. What's the next step. And they're, again, they're not rate shopping. So we rely on more retargeting ads to accomplish what historically some people are like, I'm going to have a call center operation, you know, following up with leads because that still works, but it's getting a lot more difficult. And the margin of error is much more difficult to make it work now because like some right. people don't open their emails, don't respond to texts, you know, um, and it just is what it is. Right, right, right. And it's an interesting uh, sort of like conundrum that we've, we've come up with, right? It's like, hey, we've, we've marketed so hard for so long. And what's funny also is, you know, now we've had all this, this detailed targeting that we've had up until this point. Now, a lot of that detailed targeting is getting removed as well. So, you know, interestingly enough, Interestingly enough, we're having to become better marketers, not only because CPMs are going up, not only because costs, you know, basically all the costs are going up, but also because, you know, they're just making it harder to, to advertise. We can't target as as uh, as accurately as we used to, you know, even two years ago when we could target nurses and and, and people like that, whereas now we have to go super broad, right? Because, uh, you know, unfortunately, because of, of uh, you know, some of these privacy issues that, that have kind of popped up, you know, as marketers, we love, we love being able to target everything. But as a consumer, like I also see on the other side, like 
what that, what that feels like to, to know that like, Hey, you have a conversation. All of a sudden you see an ad about, you know, whatever you were just talking about, that doesn't feel super, super comfortable. Um, even though they, they deny it and all that stuff, you know, Facebook denies listening to your conversations and all of that stuff. But it just, it just seems weird that, you know, you talk about a specific subject and then there it is on Facebook, you know, five minutes later. So I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, at a, again, at a macro level, marketers ruin everything. Some people have heard that expression, you know, like any, any good thing that happens, marketers ruin it because they basically over leverage themselves into it. And that's certainly true of lead generation ads and forums where, you know, again, for the last 10, even, even 15 years now, the dominant way of spending a marketing budget online is in one way or another driving clicks to some sort of form. Now we almost take it for granted that we call it a landing page, right? But like right, right. Some sort of form, whether it's a website or a third party landing page, whatever, and that's how you capture their contact information. Or now there's things like Facebook lead ads that are natively on the Facebook platform. But the point is we've almost for the last 15 years, we've thought of marketing as being synonymous with lead generation. And that's because we took for granted that clicks were so cheap open rates on emails were so high and the the uh, reply rate on the emails is so high because that's one uh, variable that a lot of marketers never really paid attention to is what's the reply rate? Like, I don't really care how many uh, email leads you generate, but how many of those are getting into a conversation with you? So sure. thinking in terms of like CPC, not as cost per click, but cost per conversation, like, hey, per every $100 I spend on ads, how many conversations with leads am I getting? And so how many leads are actually texting me back or emailing me back, right? That's a much more interesting and meaningful metric than what's my cost per lead, right? Uh, because right. You, you would way rather have the cost per conversation be lower and actually have a lower amount of leads than have a really impressive number of leads, but the cost per conversation is higher uh, because obviously you want the most efficient way possible of like getting qualified leads, right? So we, right, we just right. that it's both the cost for the clicks, but also what is the response rate from leads that has dictated for the last 10, 15 years, well, let's just run a shit ton of traffic to landing pages and who cares if the conversion rate is low because at the end of the day, the math works. That's not going to be true anymore, frankly, because the math the math is starting to not work on that. Right, You'll right, right. Really, really good at it, like the top 10 percentile, then yeah, you can optimize and split test your way to still making the math work if you're truly, really good at it. But every day it gets a little bit harder both as CPMs conspire against you because the cost is rising and as just culturally, again, people don't like clicking uh, on a lead generation ad and then knowing that they're going to get hounded by uh, hounded by follow-up. So like the model is kind of shifting to give away a bunch of information, whether it's information on your blog. I mentioned uh, uh, a platform marketingideas.com is our ugly website we drive people to. Um, right. And it's like ugly intentionally. We can talk about that in a minute, but platformmarketingideas.com or we drive people to videos on social or on YouTube, whatever, and they can do all the information and they, or they can research the information. They can do their due diligence. They can listen to the platform marketing show podcast I have on you know Spotify and Apple. And if they want to contact us, then they can find out how to get in touch with us. And then they come to me if they want to hire us. That's a much more natural and aligned way to do marketing with the way I think culture is now versus just driving a bunch of clicks to a landing page. Cause I used to do that too, right? Like I'm not saying I'm above any of it. Like when the CPMs were cheap and cost per clicks were cheap, like I would drive a ton of clicks to a landing page where it's like, find out more information about platform marketing. And I didn't really care 
if hardly anyone replied, as long as enough people were replying that the numbers worked at the end of the day, of course, that's what you do. Like water flows downhill, right? You'll do whatever comes right. comes easiest. But now that that's changing with realtors too, because dude, I've got to say, I bet, I bet lenders and realtors are the most sold to groups in like the United States of America. There's probably no other profession that gets hit up with as many like B2B cold calls as a lender or a realtor, some marketing company trying to sell them leads or some mastermind or some sort of, you know, online yeah. program or your local newspaper begging you to come back and please run ads with us or your radio station. Or a title rep or an insurance rep or yep. like anybody else that wants their business as well, right? Like, yeah, they're getting cold called by everybody. And the same thing, I mean, even realtors, right? They're getting cold by loan officers, title, yep. realtor, like every single person in like in the whole other, entire chain. Other, other uh, EXP agents calling them to recruit them. <laughs> right, hey. to recruit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? Exactly. Not constant if you're a lender or a realtor. So it's almost worse for them than maybe the public at large. And so I really feel like we've had to evolve our strategies even more than a normal marketing company working with another client in any other industry because realtors are like especially tired of the same old, Hey, driving a click to a landing page where you have to opt in. I mean, I mean, frankly, for me, it's a turnoff where if I click on something and it's, I don't know, some promise of information about whatever. And I immediately land on a landing page. I'm like, well, fuck that. Like I almost like, I hate whatever company you have now because it's like, how dare you think that, you know, that I'm going to give away my contact information and you didn't give me any value other than teasing me with a headline on Facebook. Like I'm right. less like business with you then. Cause I feel like if that's how, if that's how you're doing business, we're probably not aligned philosophically anyway. And so I'm not saying that's true of every business or every industry, but it's certainly heading that way. So the more that you can get ahead of the curve on that and ahead of the trend, the better off your business is going to be. So you have to find a way to generate leads because like you still need leads, right? That's never been up for debate, right? You still need right, leads. Right, 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 right. Same way that you can have the, the most powerful engine in the world, but if you don't have gas in the engine, it doesn't matter, right? But you have to start thinking beyond lead generation as being synonymous with marketing. Like most of our clients at any given time, I'll just give you a specific. When a realtor hires us, we might be running like 12 different ad campaigns for them simultaneously. If someone, you know, if, if an agent hires platform, probably just one or two of those are what I would categorize as lead generation. And the other 10 are retargeting campaigns. So someone could click on one of our clients uh, ads and for the next 10 days in a row, they'll see a different ad, a different retargeting ad every day. But proactively behind the scenes, we are also changing up which ads pop up in that 10 from week to week. So every week, the mixture of what ads are in that 10 changes. So they're seeing different ads nearly every day, the entire length of time they're on the retargeting list, which usually we set it for about six months. Um, wow. So that's just something that you wouldn't have done two or three years ago because the, right. the strategy dictated, hey, let's just generate a shit ton of leads and we'll drive them to landing pages. And if enough of them convert, the client will be happy, right? Right, just right, right, right. get away with that anymore unless you are just really, really good at split testing and lead generation to where your your cost per click is just way lower than everyone else's because you have it so dialed in. It's certainly possible, but it's a lot harder than it was several years ago. It's interesting though. It's interesting that that you've taken. Uh, I mean, not not that we've done anything super different, but like you've taken a, a, the approach of like retargeting more on the back end. And one of the things that I did was was filter more on the front end, right? So ask more questions, create more friction in the process to to create less leads, but higher intent, higher quality leads, right? But that being said, you still have to do the follow up things like that, right? You still have to call them. Um, but it's just interesting that like we've kind of taken a little bit different approaches to to solve somewhat of a, of a similar 
problem, right? Which is how do you create less low quality leads? Yeah, that that makes sense on the you know on the mortgage side too, because right, right, right. Especially if you're using a pixel and you're using conversion optimization, which I imagine obviously you guys are when you're setting right. Pain, you don't want the pixel optimizing for shitty leads, (laughs) right? Right. Yeah. Not all leads are good, so you don't just want in general anytime a new lead opts in the Facebook thinks, cool, we're doing our job, let's get more of those. Like you want obviously very uh very dialed in, but you know as we've uh. As as a, we've discovered, like sometimes that's not even enough because if you get good leads, wh- again, whether you're a lender or a realtor, like we also don't want those leads to come in and then start rate shopping. Sure, you know, sure. it's a lender and like, hey, well, this is great, but I'm going to do a little more research and contact other lenders. Or um, if it's if it's a realtor, if they inquire about the realtor, I don't want them like interviewing other listing agents because that's frustrating. So it's like the more the more like conversion ads you can run, I'm saying conversion in the sense of cultivating the lead, not a literal favorite conversion optimization, but the more like retargeting ads you can run that just talk about the agent's personality or their family or their hobbies or, you know, whatever that actually helps lead conversion often more than hiring an ISA would because the lead is like they are talking themselves into working with you. They're not being forced to, if that makes sense. I agree. And I think the biggest problem with uh, internet leads is they don't, so referrals, you get to borrow the trust from someone else. Like, so, so like you get someone referred to you, you're borrowing that trust from whoever referred that person to you. Right. Whereas like when you have to sell a cold lead, they, they don't know, like, or trust you. And so at every point in the entire journey, they're looking for reasons not to work with you. They don't want to buy with you. Cause they're like, Hey, at every point, like I I'm looking for the reason why this doesn't work why this is too good to be true, whatever, right? And so you have to constantly fight that battle. And if you don't have the whole entire process dialed in, if, you're, if you're, you're, your front-end process isn't dialed in, if your doc, follow, your doc uh, collection process isn't, isn't dialed in, if you're not putting your, your, your person with the right realtor that knows how to get them into contract, they're going to, you know, again, they're going to find reasons to not work with you because they don't know, like, or trust you, right? They weren't referred by someone else. And so you have to continually build up that trust level um, and it takes time and it takes uh, skills and resources, right? Like, so some of our best clients, like they've just been doing this for so long that they're just so smooth on their delivery. They know how to build trust quickly. But when you're brand new to a space like this, like you, ha- you have to develop the skills. Um, and even, I mean, I'm sure for you, you've been able to take a little bit of that sales prowess away from, I mean, because it's internet leads, right? And so, so many people think they're so good at sales because they're so used to working warm leads, warm right? Lead. Referrals. Which oh, is a man. very different animal. I've heard that so often that you know an agent will say, "Hey, if you can get me leads, I can close them. I'm really right. good." At it. It's like, well, you wouldn't hear a McDonald's cashier say that. Like, well, I'm a stone cold closer. Every person I talk to orders food here. It's like, well, right, right. because they walked up to you right. with intent of ordering food, and you just happen to be where everyone orders food. That doesn't mean you're closing people. It just means you're fulfilling demand that's already there, right? And realtors right. maybe don't think of it that way. But if they've built their business the old-fashioned way with just referrals and sphere business, like they think they're really good at persuading and closing, when in reality, every person who's ever contacted them has been a warm referral and they were ready to go. So they start getting cold leads and they're like, these leads are bad, or you know, like these people aren't ready. I want warm leads. It's like you just don't know what it takes to convert a stranger. So I think maybe how I've evolved my perspective on this to get really specific here is over the last several years. I've transitioned from thinking that how to convert these cold leads is having the perfect autoresponder script or having the right thing to say. If they say X, you say Y, or if they ask you this question, you pivot and you, you know, like I've shifted from 
from thinking it's about optimizing the sales conversation and being really good at follow-up to thinking like, well, you can be average at follow-up if you have so, so much retargeting ads running that there's an error war to complement the ground war so that when you're following up, if they're seeing your posts pop up every day on Insta and on Facebook, it doesn't really matter if you're not perfect to follow up because like they'll feel like they know you, right? If they right. already have an idea because they keep seeing you constantly, you can actually be frankly really bad at follow-up and you'll still set a lot of appointments and people will still contact you when they're ready to go as long as you have an air war of retargeting ads to complement the, you know, the troops storming the beach. And I, and I like that because this sets the, uh, the barrier to entry or not barrier to entry, but like the barrier to like success in internet leads from like 5% of the industry to like a much higher percentage. Because the truth is like someone walking in the door, maybe 5% of people can really take internet leads, right? Like truthfully can actually handle leads and, and, and see success. Whereas they all think that they're good at them and they come in like, oh, all the agencies suck. It's like, no, the truth is your follow-up probably sucked. Your sales script probably sucked. Your, I, most of it, like I, I would wager that 95% of people that say they've been burned by an agency just didn't have the processes in place. Right. Probably- right. Or, or they probably just shouldn't be buying leads. Right? I, I talk to people all the time. I'm like, dude, this doesn't make sense for you. Like, if you think that you're going to win with just automation, it's just, it's just not going to work, man. Like, yeah, you might close a couple of deals waiting for automation to convert for you. But like, I'm sorry, you actually have to pick up the phone sometimes. Like, you know, oh. I know you've, you've also fixed a lot of those, those issues. But that being said, they probably still have to pick up the phone every once in a while and, and make the calls. You still have to follow up, whether it's a phone number lead that you're calling or if someone emails you doing something simple like emailing them back. Or obviously when you're running ads in a media ecosystem like uh, like Facebook, one thing that doesn't get talked about enough is like how proactive are you at responding to comments on the posts? Because those are usually warmer than leads. We found if someone comments on one of your posts, that's a stronger signal of intent than even like opting into whatever report or lead generation ad you're running. Because if they're willing to publicly leave a comment, that means that like they're okay that other people saw they left that comment, right? When you click, sure. when you opt into an ad, the only person who knows that is you and the person running the ad. Right. But if you comment on something, asking a question about, hey, what's the price on this? Or, hey, how many bedrooms does this house have? Or, you know, whatever, right? That person essentially just said, yes, I'm looking and I'm okay if everyone who's my friend on Facebook sees I commented on this. And yet so often I see realtors not replying to comments. So one of my favorite strategies is like, any comment you get in one of your posts, leave a video reply because that's so oh, much more personal and it builds so much more trust than just typing a quick response. So like, I don't know, for, like for example, if if you're running an ad and it's promoting a listing and the listing is uh, $415,000, right? But you run an ad and the listing isn't, the, the price isn't actually listed in the ad. So you have all the information, but you left the price out. That's a strategy that, you know, we'll often use to get people to comment, hey, what's the price on this, right? And then you, you get that price. Let's say Luke comments, hey, what's the price on this? Well, me, if I'm the realtor, I'm going to film a quick video, like a 15 second video just on my phone, right? It'll be a selfie video. Be like, hey, Luke, thanks for the comment. Right now, this house is listed at, you know, $415,000. It's in the such and such neighborhood. It's very competitively uh, priced relative to comp. So let me know if you'd like to take a look at it, or I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Thanks again for commenting, right? And you leave that as a video reply. You will get way more conversations and replies doing that because you taking that 10 seconds to film that video shows the person who commented that, wow, they're actually monitoring the action on this. It's not just some, like, you can't fake that with an ISA is what I'm saying. Like, right. No one really knows these days when they get contacted from a company, is it an ISA pretending to be someone else or is it that person? But if you do a video reply, 
It's like, well, clearly that's the realtor. Like we're not using a right. deep fake technology yet on, on video. Like obviously, <laughs> One of these days. yeah, right, right. But if, if the agent commented, uh, that person's like, wow, they took the time to comment, even if it was only a 10 second video reply. I'm not saying you film a 60 second video, right? But right. Uh, right. the other thing that happens when you do that is all of the other people that saw that ad and will see it in the future, see your video comments in the replies. And so they're all being subtly influenced by that too. Of like, wow, this agent's actually responsive and he's replying to comments or she's replying to comments. And so you're also just very subtly, subconsciously helping all those people to start to think of you as like, this person's trustworthy, they're helpful. You know, they're not just an agent who runs a bunch of ads, but then never checks their ads. Like, you know, uh, they seem responsive. Like that's the type of agent I'd want to work with. All of these things are being communicated in the act of leaving a video reply without you saying that. Right. So even when you run ads, there's things you can do that uh, will improve your conversion rate that have nothing to do, you know, with how many drips are in your sequence or how many times are we going to hit them in the first five days with an with an email or a text or, you know, so that's how we have to start thinking. Like you can keep doing all that. Like I'm not saying that email autoresponders are are evil or something, but like we have to start thinking beyond that in converting these leads, because at a certain point, it's not the leads that are bad. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, leads are are people. Leads are people that are interested in in something, right? Like they they clicked on, there's a reason why they clicked on an ad and they submitted their information. You don't do that if you're not interested. Like maybe they were just interested in seeing the picture. Maybe they just wanted some information, but they were interested in something. And I think that's something that people forget. Like they, they, they see a lead and like, it's just a lead. No, that's a person. There's a, there's another human on the other end of the line that submitted this information, right? Like, so treat them like a human, right? They're just a human that needs information. Um, so I think that's a big thing there. Let's 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 kind of rewind a little bit. Uh, I typically like to do this at the beginning of the show, but you, you talked about being in this space. I think you said nine years, kind of building this business. Um, and, and now recently, I know you get a lot of referrals, uh, but. I'm sure it wasn't always easy like that. Tell me a little bit about kind of like the come up story, man. Tell, tell me a little bit about what it looked like building platform um, and, and what kind of that journey's looked like till this point, man. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy story and I'll give you the abbreviated version. But when I was way younger, I think it was when I was like 20, 21, 22 years old, something like that. Uh, I was just a marketing consultant. I knew I loved marketing and uh, you know, I was college age, right? And I was like, I will do marketing for any small business that will hire me because I'm passionate about advertising and writing ads. And I love the, the psychology of coming up with a good headline and thinking about what does this ad have to look like or make the person feel to get them to respond, right? So this was even mm-hmm. actually before Facebook ads came out. Like Facebook ads okay. didn't hit the scene until in a major way until uh, 2012, 2013. I think like newsfeed ads popped up Right, 2015 or 2014. So like it, it, it was really before the golden age of Facebook, which really came into its own more so in like 2014. I feel like 2015 is when Facebook ads really emerged in a in a major way with all the features that we know today. Sure. Um, and so I was just working with any small business that would hire me. I had a I had a CrossFit gym that hired me, staffing service, uh, natural kind of weight loss health health center. Um, I mean, like I said, any client that would hire me, like a local attorney hired me, like an estate planning attorney. I mean, I would take anyone's money if they were willing to pay me even 500 bucks a month, like help me, right. help me, you know, uh, help my business to grow your business. Right. So, uh, I mean, you know, I was making whatever, a couple thousand dollars a month, which felt fine to me. Cause when you're 21 years old, it's like, well, if this prevents me from having to go out and get a real job somewhere, then this is amazing. Eventually right. I was referred to a realtor who had no business whatsoever. Um, I mean, her business has nosedived after like the great recession. And so she used to be a pretty, you know, respected, 
uh, successful agent, but she realized like after 07, 08, when everything kind of just took a dump that like she wasn't really, she didn't have a strong, resilient business as much as just the natural tide of the market made her feel successful. But as soon as that went away, she had no business coming in. Um, or she was like broke. I mean, like she was actually behind on her own mortgage payments as a realtor. Um, and so she hired me and she's like, I have no money to pay you <laughs> like nothing. Like I don't have money for ads budget or anything, but I'll make a deal with you. If you can somehow resurrect my business, I'll give you a percentage of it because we're starting from zero. So if I have any growth here, I will know it came from you because she had no closings coming in. Right. Um, and so I said, sure, that's a good opportunity for me at this stage of my career because if I can get a, you know, an epic case study like this, like that'll help me grow my marketing uh, career. And I had no idea when I did that, that it would be like, you know, patient zero of a marketing company that now we work with nearly 200 realtors across the country. Um, and we have a, you know, full-time staff that manages all that. I mean, our, our, our payroll every month as a company is now over a hundred thousand dollars a month, just in for our team. And it all Fine. started with that client where I started working with her Um her, well, her business blew up. So, I mean, all of a sudden it was like, she was making like zero money and then she made a hundred grand and then 200 grand a year. And it was like, that was starting from zero. And so, uh, I realized like, oh, all these ads that I came up with in these different marketing campaign ideas, like as long as I only work with one realtor per city, like one realtor per territory, by the way, when I say city or territory, most of our clients have like an exclusive area that's somewhere between 15 and 25 miles ish, something like that. So they know that no realtor who's ever only just five or 10 miles away is ever going to be running similar ads to them. Right, right. As long as we always respect that policy, what this means is like, I can keep coming up with ads and scale them across a bunch of people at the same time. You know, like I don't have to reinvent the wheel because what I was doing before was like, well, if I start working with a CrossFit gym and I'm not super familiar with CrossFit, let's say, or their business model, I first have to spend a bunch of time just learning about this industry that I don't know anything about before I can start crafting interesting marketing campaigns for them. Where with real estate, it's like, well, cool. I know real estate. Now I can just focus on creating a bunch of awesome ads and we're only going to work with one person per market. So when I come up with a good ad, we can run that for everyone versus having to come up completely different lead generation concepts or follow-up sequences for every client we work with. So it just started growing that way. And like I said, now, uh, you know, nine years later, we have nearly 200 clients and we continue to grow almost exclusively with, with referrals. I mean, we actually have net negative monthly churn in the sense that any given month we get more referrals than we have people quitting. So even if I don't run a single ad and I spend a single dollar promoting ourselves, we, we're, we're growing every month because our clients refer us that much business just because they're, they're happy. So I love that, man. I see, I see you guys tagged in, in a lot of the, the big uh, Facebook groups all the time. And usually it's nothing but good, right? Like there's always both sides. I mean, we're, we're in this hard space uh, being lead generate lead generators is like some people hate us. Some people love us, you know? Um, but I, I just, I do tend to see very positive things about a platform that, you know, you don't see a lot of the negative that you do see with a lot of the other companies out there. And again, I mean, it's a hard space, right? Like we both know that, you know, you could have two people in the same exact market. One person thinks the leads are the best. The other person thinks they suck. Right. Yep. And, and, and the only difference is the person who's calling on the leads. Um, and so it is a hard space, but man, I, I love the, what you've done over the last, I mean, you say nine years that you've been doing this. Yep. Dang man, nine nine years. Crazy hearing myself say that because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it. But yeah, it's been it's been nine years. 
Man, that's that's incredible, man. And so, you know, just for loan officers are listening to this, or, or even if you're a realtor, like know that it can take some time, right? It takes time to build the sort of business that you're looking to, to build as well. I mean, even for myself, I started back in 2017 and, and you know, here we are in 2022, and it feels like I just started. It's already been five years, man. It's 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 uh it's insane, and, and the amount of growth that can happen in that amount of time uh, is is incredible. But I think it does come back to um, being dedicated to your craft, um, and I think that's something that that you've you've learned over the years is like you're just being dedicated to to perfecting one thing really i mean uh, you know i mean it sounded like at the beginning kind of like how i started too i was working with everybody right real estate agents loan officers insurance uh health insurance pnc uh, uh some e-com like everything it wasn't until 2019 that i was like i'm going all in on loan officers and then literally it was like two months later i had like my best month ever right it was just like because you know now i can solve problems at a much deeper level than i could ever before um and i think that makes that 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 works really well and i think that really applies even to real estate agents to loan officers like find some sort of niche where where can you dominate what's a space that you can dominate and, and and choose that it doesn't have to be anything crazy but like find a niche right i mean we both chose something we got really good at it and i think that that goes a long way um Tim, t- t- for loan officers that are looking to go out there and get more business, is there any like one thing, any sort of strategies that you would suggest a loan officer to implement right away to go out and get more business? Yeah, I think what what we've developed at at platform that we teach teach our realtors, and we have some we have some clients who are lenders too, but all, you know almost all of them are realtors. Is the one thing we do differently is we've really figured out how to write ads that don't look like ads. So, I mean, everyone, if you're, you know, let's say you're a lender, it's like everyone can write a little post about interest rates are going up. So now's the time to lock in or, you know, right. back for the last couple of years where refis were like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel, you run all these ads about here's how much money you could save every month or blah, blah, blah. Right. Like anyone can do those ads. And that's probably what most people are already seeing pop up in their newsfeed is ads that talk mm-hmm. about the interest rate environment or monthly payments or all that. So how you actually stand out, because again, marketing is about standing out like different is better than better when it comes to marketing. Like it's better to show people, like ironically, it's better to show people how you're different than it is to try to convince them that you're better than other LOs. So it's like, well, let's be honest. Like you're basically quoting the same rates. You know, someone might be a little, you know, a couple of bips cheaper on this deal or that right, deal right. on this loan product or that loan product. But like all things being equal, someone's going to get pretty close to the same rates anywhere. Or if they're getting a huge difference, it's probably being made up by tacking on, you know, fees that are paid at closing, right? It's not like, a consumer goes to lender A and gets quoted 4% and they go to lender B and get 4.7, right? Like that doesn't really happen in the in the real world. So, well, I mean, so, unless you're talking about rocket mortgage or someone like that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean right, but like even even then like often they're making up for it elsewhere, right? So like right, it's not right, right. it's not as if some companies just don't care as much about profit and they're willing to make less, right? So because of that don't have your ads focused on, you know, I'm a better, better lender or I get better rates or I take better care of my customers even because like everyone is saying that everyone says they have better customer service and everyone says they focus on relationships beyond the transaction. Like everyone says that, right? So how you stand out is writing ads that don't look like ads. So if you went on a vacation recently with your family or with your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, like I'm saying like run an ad that's just a photo of you on that vacation. And then you write a paragraph or two about like where you went and why it was fun and how it was a good experience to get out of the office for a week. And then it has zero connection to you being a lender. You're not tying it in awkwardly 
at the end by saying something cheesy like, oh, and by the way, if you refinance now to take advantage of these low rates, you can afford more vacations just like this one or something stupid like that, right? right like right. there's no tie-in. It's just you popping up in someone's newsfeed with a retargeting ad that gives them a quick glimpse into your life. And so just for that split second, you're top of mind with that person. And they're like, oh, that's right. That's that lender. I clicked on her ad the other day or I clicked on his ad the other day. And seeing one retargeting ad as an isolated incident isn't going to change your business, right? Like, But if you are doing that several times a month or once a week or several times a week and people who are following you on Facebook start seeing posts like that, again, both Instagram, Facebook, across the board, over time, that absolutely will grow your business if you're staying that much more top of mind um, with both your leads as well as your sphere. So that's like one kind of contrarian piece of advice that we very regularly preach at Platform is that, yeah, you can do all the lead gen in the world, but if you're not supplementing it with these kind of retargeting ads that don't look like ads, your lead generation is going to seem like it's underperforming and you'll blame that the leads are bad or they're not converting when in reality, you maybe weren't investing enough creative energy on... uh converting those leads on the back end. And then you have people going like, well, these leads suck. You know, it's like, well, how many times if you or I clicked on something and then there, we got no follow-up, it didn't stay top of mind with whatever the product or service was. It doesn't mean we weren't interested at first. It means that it lost our right. attention. Over time. So I think it's important to realize that distinction and then create more ads on the back end to keep you top of mind uh, with that person. So it's not such a high pressure, like, oh, I've got to set an appointment with this person right away, or I've got to convert this lead right away. Because if I don't, they're gone forever and they're going to work with some other LO or some other realtor, right? You can have a much more relaxed approach to all this if you're constantly creating retargeting campaigns. Again, it's kind of like the air war in the ground war. I use that metaphor, right? Like D-Day would have been difficult, if not impossible you know, for the allies in World War II, if they just charged up the beach and didn't also bomb everything the night before and have air support, right? Like right. It, it makes the infantry's lives, you know, a lot easier knowing they have air support. And that's what retargeting and content campaigns are. It's the air support for your lead generation campaigns. It's interesting as well that like you talked about this, um, it's almost like the improvement offer and Russell Brunson talks about this in the marketing world, right? And I'm sure other marketers have talked about it too, but it's the improvement offer, right? Like, oh, we're better, better, better. doesn't like, doesn't actually sell. It's like, how do you set yourself as a unique person? He said different is better, right? So like putting yourself as like the unique mechanism of, of, of this is like, well, how do you, how do you stand out or how do you show up differently? Because it's true. I think so many times in this space, like lending, being a realtor, those are technically commodities, right? Technically, everybody can offer a similar thing, right? So like- You are a gas station as a realtor. You're not selling your gas any cheaper than the other gas stations. So don't try to beat them by one penny here or there. You have to have just a better reputation than the other gas stations so people will go to you, right? Like stop trying to compete on anything like by saying you're better. Everyone knows that the gas at Exxon is the same as the gas they're going to get at Texaco or at- Super America or Wawa or Sheets or, you know, like whatever area of the country you're in, the gas is the same everywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah. So well, stop, stop acting like it's not. Like you have to compete on something other than that because you are a commodity and your marketing journey begins actually the day that you that you recognize that and start marketing accordingly. Well, and it's interesting that you say that as well, because it's something we tell loan officers all the time when they're calling realtors. It's like, what is your USP? What is your unique selling proposition? 
What makes you different than everybody else? And saying that you pick up the phone all the time or that you have the best rates or whatever you work on weekends, that's what everybody else is saying. Whether it's true or not doesn't, doesn't matter because that's what everybody else is saying. So you sound like everybody else. How do you stand out? Can you give them leads? Can you tell them about this product that can help them save money? Can, whatever. Like, what is it that can give value to them? Like, because if you just show, go ahead. In, in that pitch, when you're, if, if it's a lender calling a realtor, right? Because like, even though that's the most stereotypical way ever to build business, I hate start calling realtors. Like, it's the reality. At some point, you do have it to work realtors, right? Because it works. And when you're in that conversation, it, it, it's like we're all trying to avoid the reality that humans are humans. Right. Humans are at a gut level. No one wants to say this out loud, lest they sound like unsophisticated or something. But like, humans will work with other humans that they think are just cool. So yep. like, if it's like, hey, I had a five minute conversation with Tim, and he seems like he's not a total douchebag. Like maybe I'll work with him, right? Like. It doesn't really matter what I say about my business. If, if you get a good general uh, intuitive vibe about someone, that's how humans make decisions. We're not rational, right? It's not like realtors are over there doing listing appointments for lenders. Like, well, I interviewed five lenders because I'm trying to figure out which one I'm going to work with. Like, they don't think that rationally. We might think they do. And that's why we talk about things like, oh, I answer my phone on nights and weekends and I'll always be available and I have better service or better rates. But like, that's actually not how they're making the decision. It's a much more primal, primal gut level decision than that. They're making that, uh, they won't admit this out loud, but they're making the decision based off, do I like this person at a gut level? Like, do I like them? Right. Again, they'll never say that because that makes them sound super unsophisticated that that's how they came to their decision. But they are absolutely making the decision based off of, do I like this person? So that's why with some of these retargeting campaigns, I'm saying, tell them about your personal life, your family, your hobbies. If you're super, a super nerd into baseball cards, share, like make a retargeting post with like five of your all-time favorite cards in your collection. Or if you're super into comic books, what's your top five favorite comic book issues? Or if you absolutely love tacos, what are your top three favorite taco spots in in whatever town or in whatever county you're in that many people haven't heard of or something like share interesting information about you. So that realtor feels like they're getting to know you as a person. So on that conversation, let's say that they saw that you're, I don't know, into baseball cards or something. And they, you had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card or something like that. And I want that interaction to be so like primed ahead of time where if you're talking with a realtor, they've already seen that post. So, so on the conversation, like unsolicited, they'll ask you, so by the way, how did you get that Ken Griffey rookie card? And you didn't bring it up, but they're bringing it up because they saw that on your post, right? That's how you get more business, right? People work with people that they like, but I think we've heard that phrase so often in marketing. People work with people that they like and trust, right? Right, right, right. So many conferences and seminars that it almost is meaningless. But right. I like to think of it as like people work with people they think are cool, that you have something in common with. So that also means sometimes you don't have anything in common with that person and then they might not work with you. And that's fine because there's plenty of people that if you post about your baseball card hobby or that you're super into English Premier League soccer or that you're a hardcore, I don't know, like Los Angeles Rams fan or whatever, or your favorite TV show is The Office and you can quote every episode of The Office verbatim, whatever, right? Talk about your hobbies because enough realtors or lenders out there share some of those hobbies that if they just connect on one of those, you'll probably have a new partner to work with because they want to work with someone they think is cool. 
So stop talking about all the other stuff and get into your personal hobbies. Man, I, I love that because um, it's it's something that I talk about all the time about organic marketing, but I've never really I've never really moved it into paid, right? Because in, in organic, I mean, that's one of the things I even tell people. It's like, man, I grew my whole entire business off of pretty much organic marketing up until January, February of 2020. Up until then, it was pretty much all organic marketing built to pretty much seven figures just off organic, right? And and yeah. um, one of the biggest things was like, you really talk about your business like 10 to 10 to 30% of the time. And then the rest of the time is just talk about yourself because people do business with people that are like them, right? Like, so again, like, so it's, it's just kind of a little bit blowing my mind that, that you can just kind of do this on paid and just run, a, you know, just run some, uh, some paid ads to the same sort of concept. Um, and it can still work, man. That's, that's kind of blowing my mind, man. Yeah. Lie. It works really well for clients. I mean, we very regularly double their business. Sometimes we even triple their business when they hire us. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight, like with a hardcore lead generation um, approach, because leads come in right away if you're focusing on leads. But our approach right. absolutely takes a little bit longer to work. You know, rather than getting someone life changing results in 90 days, it usually takes our clients six to 12 months um, because of how we're you know setting up the marketing campaigns. But the difference is that it's much longer lasting if that's how you set it up, because it's not dependent on a ninja Facebook ads hack or Google pay per click settings right. or test that you've run where like Facebook and Google can change their settings all they want. And the way that we're marketing for our clients doesn't really change. So sure. I uh, love that. That's our, that's our philosophy. Awesome, man. Awesome. So uh, just to kind of wrap things up, man, where is there, uh, if let's say a loan officer, maybe a real estate agent is listening to this, where can someone find, I know we talked about it already, but where can someone find you online, follow your contents and kind of learn a little bit more about you? Yeah. Man? So we try to give away all of our ideas at platform marketing ideas. Com. And I mentioned it's like the ugliest website in the world. I intentionally told our web designer, make this an ugly website. I want it to look like a 1995 HTML website where there's no graphics or pictures. It's just black and white text with like blue hyperlinks. So it should almost feel like you're going back in time to 1995 um, when you visit this website. Again, it's platformmarketingideas.com. And we basically just give away a bunch of our best, uh, best ideas and best strategies. And the reason I wanted this website to be ugly is I want to reinforce this with, you know, with almost a visual metaphor that you want marketing that works, not marketing that looks cool or looks sexy, but doesn't actually grow your business. No one cares how awesome your logo is or how cool your website is if you're not providing value to them and there's not substance in what you're doing. So it's mm -hmm. way better to have just kind of like plain Jane marketing that actually works and grows your business than again, have like the coolest website or the coolest logo ever, but it's not actually generating new referrals and new leads and new business. So that's why we kind of like intentionally made this website ugly to force people to focus on the actual marketing ideas we're talking about um, versus, you know, you expecting, obviously you expect a marketing agency like platform to have this awesome killer website because we're a marketing agency, right? Right. But I want it to actually be ugly on purpose to force people to evaluate the marketing concepts and ideas themselves. So definitely check out platformmarketingideas.com. The other thing you can do is look us up. Uh, the uh, Platform Marketing Show is a pretty awesome podcast. We have on both Spotify and uh, you know Apple Podcast. And we interview a lot of our realtors and we just share, You know, we have conversations about what are their most successful ads? How much are they spending on the ads? How have they grown their business using these platform marketing uh, ideas? So that's the Platform Marketing Show. Um, I definitely ch uh, recommend checking out that podcast and platformmarketingideas.com. Uh, 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim, for being here, man. It has been uh, a pleasure uh, just listening to you. You got a wealth of knowledge, man. And, and it's always uh, good to have you on the show and just good to, to, to listen and watch your content because I, I do uh, appreciate the way you think and you just kind of uh, think outside the box a little bit and, and challenge people's ideas of, of their preconceived notions. And I think that's really cool, man. So, uh, and thank you so much also for being here, man. I think there's a ton of good content in this, like for loan officers that are listening, just think about like what you're doing with your marketing stand out. How can you stand out from everybody else? Because ultimately that's, what's going to help you get that business. Again, we've talked about that from an organic marketing standpoint, from a paid marketing standpoint, but even just when reaching out to real estate agents, right? How do you stand out? How do, what is your unique selling proposition? How do you make yourself different from everybody else? And ultimately a lot of that times that just comes down to like, I like you. Right. And we talked about this is People a lot of times will make buying decisions or they'll make decisions emotionally and then they justify with logic, right? So ultimately what you're doing there is you're showing them why I'm a cool person emotionally and then they're going to try to justify that. Well, is this person an expert? Do they know what they're doing? And they'll start to justify it that way, right? So think about how can you stand out from every other loan officer that's reaching out to real estate agents, that's reaching out to even consumers, and, and do that differently and your business is just going to grow, right? So thank you so much for being here, Tim. And thank you for everybody for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. The Loans On Demand podcast.